previously on Growing Up Gilmore. It's very clear that Lorelai does not give a fuck. No. <laughs> She's like, I won, so yep. figure it me. out. That girl would have given up her virginity in yes. that moment. Oh, yeah. I'd be like, do it by the river in the grass with the ducks. First. I'd be like, where the fuck do I sign? Yeah. Signature no, here. She was like about to bring Where's him. It's not fan fiction. To like <laughs> that garden shed where she was raised. She's yes. like, you know what? She's like, I started my childhood there. I'm going to end my childhood there. Okay. Oh, God. Oh, Amy, you went there, girl. <laughs> Episode was her. actually written and directed by Amy Sherman Palladino. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to add that. <laughs> All right. Goodbye. Season two. See you later. <laughs> Hello. Season three. Uh, let's talk about a few of the highs and lows of season two really quick. Okay. Uh, we get Jess. Yes. And with Jess comes a lot of questionable choices, questionable choices, a lot of drama, a lot of good looks. A lot of Dean becoming crazy. Yes. For lack of a better word. And we get a little bit of Lorelai running away from her wedding. And getting into situations that she shouldn't be getting into. Yelling at Luke in the middle of Stars Hollow. Yep. Not minding her own business. <laughs> that happens in season three, though, too. Like, she just... That's she just never, She never learns that lesson. Right. Exactly. So, I mean... We are learning a lot about these girls as we go. Let's grow up with them. All right, we are back. It is season three. I can't believe we're on season three. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. You guys, I remember in season one, we were saying like, buckle up. This is season two is so much better. It's so much faster. It moves. Season three is where it's at. (laughs) Like, I feel like I put my foot in my mouth with that. We are coming together. We are so excited. You may have just heard our new theme song that we worked on and I'm so pumped for you guys to hear everything we've been working on for this season. Um, This episode starts off very chaotic, Mm -hmm. and I kind of love it. I don't remember watching this per se, like, as a 10-year-old, but I do remember being like, what the hell is happening? Mm -hmm. This is not how we ended season two. They were not together. (laughs) But it's it's a good, it's a wild ride. Yeah, I love this episode. I think that it's, I love the beginning, obviously. Very cool. Uh, you know, surrealism a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, we it's very theatrical, too. I think yes. it's like a stage play. Yes. Um, like, the, the reason I like to go to theater. Um, Absolutely. It has, like, a th- very theatrical scene. Luke, yeah. Luke and Lorelai, can't wait to discuss that. Yes, totally. So uh, we are going to take this episode, see how long it is, because we haven't recorded in a few weeks now. I know. So this is like our first time coming back. I'm coming back off of COVID. <laughs> so I still sound crazy, but we were too excited to record to wait. So yeah. here we go. Elise, let's get into that writer and director. 
All right. This week's writer and director is Amy Sherman Palladino. We all know her. She's the creator of Gilmore Girls. She's also worked on Roseanne and the creator and writer of The Marvelous Miss Maisel and Bunheads. And she's got more to come. Okay, this is on topic for Amy Sherman. But yesterday I was with my whole family and I had my sweatshirt on that said, I'd rather be watching Gilmore Girls, which A, is very rude of me to wear that when I'm <laughs> hanging out with my family. But B, then somebody was like, oh, do you know who Amy Sherman Palladino is? And I was like, I'm so offended that you're even asking me that question when I have a Gilmore Girls sweatshirt on. And I have a Gilmore Girls podcast. Like, Why, did, why are they coming at you like that? You know what? I'm just misunderstood. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> so I'm excited because it's been a while since we've had Amy Sherman Palladino write and direct. Uh-huh. So I am really curious how this is going to play into this episode. Mm-hmm. Me too. All right. Season three opens up with Lorelai waking up to an alarm clock. She has replaced the fuzzy (laughs) alarm clock with a Hello Kitty alarm clock. And she hits the alarm clock, goes off. Then two seconds later, another alarm clock goes off. And then we see she is in a bedroom full of alarm clocks. She shuts them all off, goes downstairs, and Luke is downstairs making her breakfast. They kiss. He kisses her stomach or talks to her stomach and says goodbye Sid and Nancy and then she says no it's Leopold and Loeb and he's off Lorelai wakes up and immediately calls Rory to tell her about this dream and she wants Rory to analyze the dream now I wanted to analyze the dream myself <laughs> Me too. okay so so yeah because we this is a lot going on in this intro so I think we have to break it up it here. is wild yes so If you are dreaming about an alarm clock buzzing, Mm -hmm. it's a sign that there is something in your life that you need to wake up to. Pay close attention to the situation in your dream. Like the alarms that wake us up every morning, alarms in your dreams are doing the same thing. But. But. What? What? I think it's very symbolic of her biological clock ticking. Okay, so that's the other thing I had here. Um... Due to the rarity of the event of having multiples, if you are having multiples in a dream, it suggests that you are in store for more than you bargained for. Um, Babies can be like a positive symbol in a dream, but they can also represent new growth, inner transformations, and rebirth in your life. Mm -hmm. So part of me is wondering, is this alarm clock um, on the biological clock and saying you need to say goodbye to the prospects of being a mother because I think Rory's, Rory's right. out of the house and Rory's out of the house. And I think this is very on brand with what Rory was saying, where it's like she, you're jealous of Sherry for having a baby with dad and it's not you. And so her biological clock is saying, okay, we're ticking. It's going, you need to get ready to say goodbye because you're about to start a new chapter of something else in your life. And your clock is, and it's also clock is ticking with Luke too. Right. Your time right. might be running out this. And if you want to have more babies too, right? right? Completely. And multiple clocks going off and she has multiple babies in her stomach. Right. This whole idea this of like all of these things happening at one time. It's like, she's got this happening and this happening and this happening and this happening. 
and everything is going off at the same time. Yes. So there's like a lot of chaos that she can't sort through. And like even her in this nightgown, right? Mm -hmm. We never see Lorelai in nightgowns. No. No. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It it all feels. And she even later on mentions the nightgown. But sorry. No. Keep on going. No. (laughs) it, It totally feels like this is what she is dreaming, expecting wanting fantasizing fantasizing but can't because you know i would like freaking everything would be sold out at victoria's secret if i was right. with luke right <laughs> you it's know it's like it takes no I'd time stop. at all you'd be like <laughs> actually i'm gonna open up a victoria's secret credit card because <laughs> this is gonna be crazy but i it's she can't figure out how to manifest it in her real life, so her subconscious is manifesting it for her. Mm-hmm. And it's a very interesting choice for Amy Sherman Palladino to open a season with this, especially because the people want it. Yeah, it's so clever. Yes. It's because like... immediately, you cannot tell me people watching this for the first time are not immediately like, what the hell is happening? Yeah. Is this like in the future? Did we skip months or is this, yeah. you know, like the whole idea that it's a dream feels like cl- such a cliche mm-hmm. when it's done at the end of an yeah. episode. But she's starting us off with this amazing manifestation. Yes. And I mean, right away, I kind of get that it is a dream because there's so many alarm clocks, you know? Yeah, for sure. If we didn't have that. I think that we really needed to see all those alarm clocks going off. Otherwise, I think that would have not been as clear, you know? Right. But it is done in a way that I think it goes without being like, well, this is a dumb dream sequence, you know? It's like almost you kind of just get really lost in the moment of it. Where you can be like, wait, did we jump time or something? This is exciting. Well, and I think, too. it's so great to see them sexy together. Stars hollow is like a suspension of reality. Yeah. Like, I I don't think it's that hard to believe that as a joke, Luke would set 10 alarm clocks. Yeah. Like, it, that does not feel like a suspension of disbelief to me. And so I think there is, like, a reality to it. Yeah, it's almost like kind of poking fun at itself in a way. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't know if that's exactly the the term or the um, analogy I want to use, but you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It's not, it's aware. It's self-aware of what it's doing. Yes. And I think that speaks volumes to Amy's writing Mm -hmm. and um, her directing in this feels so authentic. It does not feel dreamlike. It doesn't. And like, and we haven't got to this part yet because like we just analyzed what we thought the dream meant to her. But I think that Amy Sherman Palladino when they, we do get to this part, but when that, when Rory gives a different explanation of what the dream might mean, I thought that was deep about like mm-hmm. Christopher and like what that symbology mean, could and, mean. And, you know, when we go into her talking to Rory, the first thing she does when she wakes up is call Rory. Yes. And say like, this is the dream. I and, had a dream about Luke. Yep. And, and Rory's like. Again. Is she's naked? like, are you having a dream? <laughs> was yeah, he naked? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, this is, they're setting us up by telling us that this has been happening all summer long. She has been having strange dreams the entire summer. And now we are seeing like the climax of the dreams. Mm-hmm. Like here we are now. Rory saying 
giving it a simpler term, like a simpler explanation or analysis saying you're in love with Luke and you want to have his baby is like, sure. Yeah, that probably is true. And then Lorelai's like, no, like, what does it really mean? Mm -hmm. And Rory immediately coming up with the Christopher bit and the Sherry bit tells you that Rory is understanding what's happening in her mother's subconscious, but she wants to protect her mother's feelings about it. Yeah. Because she knows this is going to be really hard, whether or not Lorelai wants to admit it because she doesn't admit it. She just says, I miss you. Yeah. And it's like the sweetest, saddest thing. I know. Because they've been separated now for, we're assuming, three months, like all of summer. Mm -hmm. And clearly it is really taking a toll on Lorelai mentally. Yeah. I I think that's great, too, with like, with Rory's explanation of what the dreams, the two different, you know, like how you said, the clear cut of you're in love with Luke and you want to have his babies. And then the other one is Christopher and Sherry, that symbology of not letting it go. But both of them actually just play into each other. Yeah. You know, it's just the whole package. Basically, it's like, you know, you should be with Luke or you want to be with Luke. But like this, you know, Christopher business is really holding you back, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it makes such an interesting juxtaposition to Rory's situation because Mm -hmm. when they get off the phone we see Rory she's she's not going back to sleep she is getting up we see her open up a trapper keeper which is so early 2000s (laughs) and she's got all these letters from Dean that have been opened but she sets them all aside and we see she's got a piece of paper that says dear Jess at the top and this is everything to me as like a writer and director. You're like, I am showing you this inner struggle that this girl has had in five seconds. Like we are getting it all. And I love it so much Me too, because it's like, and we didn't need a ton. Like we had Lorelai, you know, I loved all that we had with Lorelai and we loved that moment. But I love the simplicity of this moment without showing much. We you don't know, need to see Rory's much. Story. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it, you can't, you can infer that she has not responded to Dean. We don't know that for certain at this point, mm-hmm. but the fact that she has all these letters and the only thing that she's writing is to Jess. Yeah. And she can't even freaking think of what to say to him either. Yeah. I, I just, <sighs> I, get I know it, it fills yeah. you with like so much adrenaline. I just want to like, rip that piece of paper out of that trapper <laughs> keeper and just like she doesn't know she doesn't know and he and Lorelai doesn't know so now we're setting up this whole season three to be a will they won't they mm-hmm. already off the bat in six a- minutes and the clever the awesome like this isn't like a dramatic you know Bella in twilight moment you where she's like sitting there looking at her paper I mean she is doing that but it's interjected with this comedic relief of Paris sleeping yes. in bed, it's, it's talking in her sleep. Yeah, interjecting like Bill Clinton quotes, like, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. 
and then it goes back. She's just like having a political debates in her in her in her dreams. Yeah, which I mean, that's so on brand. Yeah, so on brand for Paris. And I do love that this is the first season that they really start to play with different music. Mm-hmm. We haven't had the Sam Phillips play yet the song and they do play with a few other songs that are not Sam Phillips finally in this episode so now we know like you're making the big money yeah. because you can incorporate other songs now into the show mm-hmm. so I mean this opening is perfection I dare it. I say perfection I love all of the information that it's giving us I live and breathe this intro Mm -hmm. it gives us everything i know and it does it without telling us everything i'm so obsessed with this opening i know me too like how like in what world do you spend 15 minutes talking about six minutes like (laughs) i just love it i I love love it it so much um you can tell that amy sherman paladino was so excited to do this opening because she knew the effect that it was going to have on the audience. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think it's great. I love it so much. Okay, our next scene has us at Suki's house with Lorelai and Suki, obviously, going through paint samples and talking about redoing the house and... There's this great moment where Jackson's like coming downstairs and they're like, Jackson, Jackson, Lorelai's here. And he's like, I'm not naked. And that was one time. (laughs) And Suki is talking about how she wants to redo the house. Jackson says, we don't need to redo the house. I like the house the way it is. But Suki is very insistent on this redoing of the house. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are around the significance of her wanting to make over the house. She says she wants it to be more manly, but Jackson says it's fine. Do you think it's just like, this was my house before and I want you to feel like it's our house? Or is it like, I am wanting to like change everything because this is a new chapter kind of thing? I don't know. I think that she is just trying to be considerate and thinks that her place is just too girly. I think she's overthinking it, you know? Yeah. Like always. Absolutely. And she's such a giver and she wants, she doesn't want him, like she says, to resent her eventually, you know? And this is so... She's looking for problems. (laughs) Yes. This is so on brand for me, especially because when things are going really well... I'm like, when is the ball going to drop? Mm-hmm. Like, what is he not telling me? What What's going to go wrong first? And like, just spiraling. And it's like, Suki, it's fine. And Lorelai's like, I think it's okay. I mean, if you want to paint the house, great. But it's not just paint that she wants to change. It's everything, as we see later on in the episode. And so I think it's interesting to see Two, this kind of also symbolizes how if you are living together before you get married and then you get married, nothing changes. Mm -hmm. There's no big like change that happens in your relationship. It's like, well, now we have a piece of paper and that symbolizes that. 
we are like a union or whatever in quotes. And I think for Suki, she's looking for that like big moment. Like the wedding is over. Now what? Mm -hmm. And that happens. Like there are people that get like, I think it's called like the wedding bell blues or something where after you have all of this excitement, you come home and you're like, okay, it's over. Nobody cares that we're married now. It's just a thing. And I think that's what Suki is really going through right now. And also, I know babies kind of scare her a little bit. Like, she wants them. Yes. But as we see in later episodes, she's always seems a little bit nervous about them. Yeah. And I think that this is that she knows the next step and she's having a little bit of a freak out. Yeah, it's like traditionally you get married and then you have a baby. And I think she's kind of in that weird limbo area where she's like, I don't know if I'm ready for that step. So this feels like a smaller step in between that. And I can just like hyper focus on this, like redoing our house together and making it more manly. And I can focus on that and we can see like, that it's a very extreme focus later on. Yeah, it's a hyper focus. <laughs> it's like, girl, you could have just got like a reclining like chair. Yeah, like and get a like... lazy boy and call it good. <laughs> right? And like a yeah. cozy for his beer. Like, yeah. girl, put, the, no, put some football on and like call it a day. I think it is hard for her. And I can mm. relate to that because... I, my like love language is very like gift giving and like doing things for people. And I remember like you go through all of this excitement and then it's over and you're like, okay, I'm still really excited that I just got married, but it's over for everyone else. Like that's just a day in other people's lives, but it's like the day of my life. And now what do I do? Mm -hmm. And so this like trying to navigate like I don't want I don't think I'm ready for children yet we have goals and things that we still want to do before we have children like I can attest that that is a very real thing Mm -hmm. and I can see Suki going through that and hyper focusing on other things well it's weird too when you your whole life you're you're you know taught to think of the future getting married and babies uh-huh. and all of that right and it's always like a future thing and then when it's like there in front of your face and then you get it it's like oh my god I, I that's how I feel no, completely completely like I don't know if I wanted this already I know and and I think that's, that's kind the future. of future yeah <laughs> yeah it's like okay future's knocking at my door like what am I gonna do yeah I'm like bolting like locks no yes stay away you're like hammering the door (laughs) shut like no and so I think that's kind of what's going on for her right now and I feel for her because there is like weird pressure around women having children right after they're married we fortunately don't get to see that with Suki like we don't see people pressuring her to have children we don't we don't get to see that side of it Mm -hmm. for her which I think is a great thing but I think societally she is feeling that pressure and so she hyper focuses on redoing the house instead of having a baby yeah and that's like me hyper focusing on a podcast instead of (laughs) having a baby like it's just it's the future, 
but yes. it's not here yet. And so, it's okay. But like, how do we think of Lorelai handling this? Do you think that she... Oh, I think Lorelai <laughs> loves the idea because Lorelai is like the queen of hyper-focusing on the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, I'll help you paint. Rory will come over. We'll both help you paint. <laughs> and Jackson's like, it doesn't need to be painted. And she's like, okay, Jackson, whatever. I don't think Lorelai realizes fully what the the reason is behind her wanting to redo yeah. this whole thing. Like, I think she's like, yeah, I'll help you paint. Like, painting a house is a normal change for people to do yeah. after some time. And I'm sure she doesn't know what it's going to spiral into, but maybe she has, like, an inclination just because of, like, how Suki is in general. Suki, sorry. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know. No, I think it, I think we're, we're just scratching the surface right now. And so Lorelai is not like dive in, like fully invested. Cause she's sure. like, maybe this is just like a thing that she's wanting today, but tomorrow it might be something different. And I think Suki too is just scratching the surface herself mm-hmm. until she realizes like, no, I should probably redo this and redo that. But it's like, the signs in her kitchen are all like fruit and like vegetable signs. And it's like, your husband is a produce guy. Like that's perfect for him. Yeah. Like her aesthetic is very country. Yeah. Uh, very cute. Yeah. Uh, kind of a kitschy country. Right. So Jackson, very Jackson. But I also think that we should discuss that. We are seeing that Lorelai has been going there every day and not the diner. Yes. Right. Yes. She's been having breakfast with Suki, it looks like, every day. Um, Because Luke and Lorelai are not talking still. Yeah. And that means that now we've gone three plus months of her not going to the diner. Oh, my God. I'd have a breakdown. I, I, I can't imagine her not going there for three months. But that's where we're at. Mm-hmm. And I think that speaks volumes of her stubbornness. It doesn't speak volumes about Luke because Luke is just at the diner. He's yeah. there. She knows where to find him. And he knows that she knows where to find yeah, him. Exactly. So he's like, fine. If she doesn't want to apologize, if she doesn't want to fix things, then I guess this is just how it is. I love when Luke sets a boundary. Me too. And I just want to cross it. Well, I mean, so does she because she's dreaming about having children I with know. him. So it's like, okay, girl, let's let's fix this problem. Let's start apologizing so we can have some fun. <laughs> Please. Please. Tick, so tick. Tick, tick. She's still having breakfast with Suki, ignoring Luke or, you know, ignoring the problem with Luke. I almost think we could look at Suki trying to pick paint and paint the house and Lorelai going along with it as Lorelai starting over too. Mm-hmm. How do I start over now? Because I don't have Luke anymore. Yeah. Kind of thing. So there's a lot of layers yeah. in this episode. I want to talk about the next scene because I found something that I, that I really want to talk about. Okay. Let's okay. go. Let's go. <laughs> Our next scene brings us to Stars Hollow. We are learning that Taylor has decided to throw an end of summer festival. He's very excited, but he's in a wheelchair. 
And I had to look it up because I always want to look it up and then I forget. But he did break his foot before they started filming. He was doing theater in Seattle. And then they were starting and he broke his foot. Oh, what play was he doing? I don't know. It didn't say. He didn't say. Um, But it was in an interview. And he also talks about how he was only supposed to be in four episodes of Gilmore Girls. And then they kept him longer. And he said that he is usually more of a stage actor. And so doing a show where you, you know, you can do things in multiple takes, but they prefer you not to. He Mm -hmm. thinks that that like helped prepare him to be on camera because you only get one take for live theater. Yeah. So he was like, all right, this is great. I love it. He's, I could not see anybody else playing Taylor Dozy, but I mean, we say that because we've never seen anybody else do it. Um, But he's telling Lorelai, he made this great banner. He's so excited. Lorelai seems pretty pumped about it too. She has this horrendous white bucket hat that I cannot figure out for the life of me why she thought that was a good fashion choice. <laughs> it really bothers me. I kind of like it. You would like it. I <laughs> hate it. And she stops in front of the diner, looks through the window. Luke is taking some woman's order. Like a very hot woman's order. Yeah. <laughs> she was like hot. Yeah. And she kind of like does this like f- sad, frumpy smile. I don't know how to describe it. And then she just <laughs> like described it pretty good. Yeah. And then she just like <laughs> walks away and that's it. And it's kind of like when you're looking at the, the dogs at a pet shop through the window and you're like, Oh, that one is so cute. I really want that one. But you're like, I can't do it. I can't do it. Cause I'm wearing a bucket hat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would not want to talk to Luke with a bucket hat on my head. Okay. This is what I noticed. Okay, please share. Okay, I don't know if I'm reading into it too much. Okay, please share. But this dress Lorelai is wearing looks so much like... The nightgown? Yes. Totally. I love that. Did she pick that out subconsciously? I think so. Like, I want to believe that that's true. There's no way that the costumer did not... That had to be intentional. Yeah. I think. Yeah. It's too similar. Even, like, the... um, the way the the chest is cut. Yeah. Yeah. With the lace and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's that pink. And she wanted to look cute. Yeah. But with nope. a bucket hat. Oh, my God. <laughs> the bucket hat is such a weird choice. And I'm like, maybe I told it's Elise. That time period. She wore the bucket hat so Luke wouldn't recognize her walking <laughs> on the sidewalk. There's no other reason no, that, for that. That is like a, that is a hat you wear if you want someone to see you. I don't know, because she's not wearing it when she gets to the end. She takes it off. So then I'm like, what's the point? It's going to flatten your hair, Lorelai. <laughs> I just don't get it. But whatever. I do love now that in season three, we are embracing the curls. Mm-hmm. I think the curls are a nice touch. And I, I think it gives her curls. like, you know, that like fun, creative look kind of thing it just it just works better with her hair and i'm the same way i can't wear my hair flat straight stick no it doesn't me neither. look good i don't no. think it looks that great on lorelei either yeah yeah but i like it when it has a little bit of her natural curl in there. she seems like more free mm-hmm. i think and she's still trying to figure stuff out and it's like when in harry met sally and harry sees sally many many years later you know and he's like 
there's just something different about, you know, you're lighter, you're more free feeling, you know, with her hair. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I've never seen that. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. It's on my list, my fall list. Okay. <laughs> and I will say, Elise, you have to give me some credit because while I was sick with COVID, I did watch Barbarian. I did watch Promising Young Woman. <laughs> I know. And I watched... Um, while you're sleeping. While you're sleeping. Yes. All three of my were staples. Great. Thank you. I was like, Elise, I'm going to watch Barbarian. And you're like, no way. <laughs> and then I was like, what should I watch next? And you're like, well, next you should watch Promising Young Woman. And I was like, okay, I'm starting it right now. And you're like, what? <laughs> and then I was like, what was that one movie you were telling me about? And you're like, while you're sleeping. I was like, yeah, I'm going to watch it. And you're like, this is the greatest night <laughs> of my life. <laughs> But they were all really good, so I strongly recommend watching them. Um, but, but yes, yeah, there. Sally has curly hair, is what I'm saying. And uh, while you sleep, or not while you're sleeping, but when Harry met Sally, and I think that there is that embodiment of Lorelai's more natural spirit. Yeah, yeah. Not to be like cheesy and deep. It's annoying. Do you think her walking in front of the window and seeing him is like her looking into? what could be if yeah. she would just give it up already. Yeah. And I mean, missing I, and missing the comfort of the diner and and Luke and, you know, everything that they have. I just think basically, yeah. And seeing another woman that he's smiling at, he's taking that woman's order. Yeah, like that should be me. Yeah. Holding Look at your he's hand. hot. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. Another hot woman's probably gonna want him. Right. Duh. Right. Yeah. Or whatever. Her time is running out. Her time is ticking. It's ticking. Yeah, girl. It's ticking, girl. <laughs> Wake up. Okay, we are in DC, Washington, DC, with Rory and Paris. We see Paris is just like attacking politician after politician like going in hard on these people and I love Paris for that she would have been a great politician I think mm -hmm. like one that people would have loved to hate but would have loved that she got stuff done <laughs> and they're just like passing her around like a butter dish because they don't want to talk to her so it's like, oh, have you talked to Paris yet? And then they like run away. We get to meet Jamie with Rory and he is another, um, I think he's a college student and he is like for the same program as Rory and Paris but trying to get to Princeton. Yes, he goes to Princeton and we find out that Paris and Jamie are paired up together to do the debate that day. And he says that afterwards they should celebrate and basically asks Paris out on a date. And Paris is like shoving her face with a sandwich. And she's like, yeah, sounds great. And as he <laughs> walks away, he's like, so Paris, awesome. you just got asked out by Jamie. And she's like, no, I didn't. He just said like a victory dinner. And she's like, if he just wanted to celebrate, he'd ask you for coffee, but he's invited you to dinner. And Paris is like, great. I've been waiting all this time to get asked out on a date. And I, then I don't even realize it. I missed it. <laughs> and she's like, well, I guess I could try a Princeton man. And my favorite part about this scene is we are now setting up that strong women can attract men too. 
It's not just like the Bambi doe-eyed Rory characters. Mm -hmm. People like Paris are attractive in, you know, not just looks wise, but also by intelligence. Like Jamie is clearly very um, inspired by Paris and like loves this conversation dynamic that they have. And I think that's really important. Yeah, I think he's charmed because I was watching him kind of watch her. Yeah. When he's talking to her and she's busy doing getting her sandwich ready. <laughs> yeah. And he seems like I mean, you like can't hate on a girl for being hungry. Yeah. No. Like the girl was hungry. <laughs> and I love when she comes over to eat too. She's like, I always catch the politicians as they're about to go to the bathroom. And then the scene ends with a politician coming out of the bathroom, seeing Paris and turning around and going back in. <laughs> it's like, it's been a good summer, I can tell. Totally. Um, I think this whole scene is just like very on brand for Paris to be so engrossed in what she's doing and she's still being like authentically herself. So, you know, when Jamie brings up that they're going to be doing the debate together and he says who they're going against, she's like, well, great. So-and-so has asthma and the other guy cries. Like she's just like so business all the time. But he, just like you said, he's charmed by that. And I think he loves that about her. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I can see how he kind of wants to bring out a softer side or like see another side to Paris, like her fun yeah. side. Yeah. He's too. like, I want to see yeah. her with the walls down. Mm-hmm. Like I'm seeing her as this like ferocious woman. And maybe that's his thing, which I mean, great. Love that for him. But maybe he wants to see like, what else is there to Paris? Mm -hmm. What am I going to uncover if I take all of this away? Yeah. When it's not a competition and yeah. 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 Just intrigued. What do we think about how it's kind of cool how we see Rory as her aide? I love it. I love this, like setting up the two of them being like ride or die. Mm -hmm. I think it's so fun. And I think, I think they need each other more than they realize. Like, I think Paris needs Rory because Rory kind of brings her back down. Mm -hmm. And I think Rory needs Paris because Paris kind of, like, checks her. Like, Mm -hmm. what are you doing? Why are you doing this? That kind of thing. Like, they have this great, like, tit-for-tat relationship. And we're seeing it here now because they've had three solid months together. We're seeing that this is going to be a relationship that lasts a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And I think also for this episode too, it is such a great way to use a great character like Paris to further Rory's narrative. Yes. Yes. You know, because we get to see her explain what she knows about her experience is with like mm-hmm. love mm-hmm. and what she's going through. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Paris looks up to Rory when it comes to like societal things. And I think Rory has a respect for Paris because of the grind. Mm -hmm. Like Paris, she knows how to work hard and Rory knows how to play hard Mm -hmm. and they need that from each other. So I think this kind of really sets up that great relationship that they end up having. I want to start this next scene by saying if I could have any job on Gilmore Girls, it would be prop person. Because this bottle of Kirk's Hey There soap 
looks so good. <laughs> and I just think it would be so fun to like make all the labels for that stuff. The scene starts with Kirk talking to Michelle at the inn about this new this new skincare brand that he has called Hay There. And it's made from hay mm-hmm. because he says cows never have wrinkles and it's because they eat hay. And that's his whole philosophy behind it. There is nothing more to this philosophy. Lorelai comes out and she's like, we already have a skincare brand at the inn. Like, we don't need another one. And also, don't they eat grass? And he's like, well, hey, grass doesn't sound very good. Or grass there doesn't sound very good. (laughs) And that's it. He's like, I'll give you three cases of it for you to try. And she's like, okay, thanks, Kirk. And he walks away. Michelle said... It's a pity not to have a glass of alcohol in your hand when he's around, isn't it? I'm like, oh, so we're making Kirk a drinking game. (laughs) Nice, Michelle. Nice. Uh, The phone rings. Emily is on the phone. They just got back from Martha's Vineyard, and she is waiting for Lorelai to call them because they got back. And she basically breaks down Lorelai into apologizing for not calling, even though there are still 11 hours in the day that she could have called. (laughs) She tells Lorelai that she can't wait to see them for Friday night dinner, and Lorelai informs her that Rory is not coming home until Sunday, or Saturday, Saturday. excuse me. And Emily is beside herself because she had written down she comes home Friday. Little did we know, she is coming home Friday, Mm -hmm. but Lorelai lied so she could have time with Dean. At that point... Emily says, okay, well, then at least bring Christopher because Emily, of course, doesn't know that Christopher left the wedding. And I'm like, did you not notice that he wasn't there for the second half of the wedding? (laughs) Because he left before they walked down the aisle. Yeah. So that doesn't make any sense to me. Unless like Richard and Emily like didn't stay for the reception or whatnot. Yeah, but I feel like they would have looked for him at the ceremony, too. You know, it's just <laughs> yeah. like something is not adding up there anyway. But it's I, true, though. Yeah. she's like, I want to see all three of you together. So make sure he comes next time because Lorelai said he has a business thing. And Lorelai ends the scene by saying that would be a pretty picture, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. And that's where it ends. And so we're left with this. Lorelai is still trying to figure out, you know, what is what is my life going to look like now if I don't have Rory here and I don't have Christopher or a man, what what is going to happen now? And it's kind of like going back to what we talked about in the beginning of the episode, this like longing for this life that she has fantasized for so long Mm -hmm. and seeing it kind of slip away now. And now I think she is coming to terms with the fact that it is slipping away and she doesn't know how to hold on to it. I also think it's interesting and funny that Emily basically gaslights Lorelai into apologizing. (laughs) It's like, ah, I miss Emily so much. She's so great. And um, I have... Two of my coworkers, it's a mother and daughter, are watching Gilmore Girls. They said they just uh, are at the tail end of season three. And 
Um, the mother said that she's loving Emily in Paris. Those are her two. Mm-hmm. Emily and Paris, not Emily in Paris. Um, <laughs> you know. And she's like, and I'm kind of liking Lorelai. She wasn't really a big Lorelai fan. Mm-hmm. And then she was like, and I love Jess. When Jess came into season two, I was like, this is it. And then I talked to her as she was like in the middle of season three. And she was like, why is he being such a shithead? <laughs> it's like... It ebbs and flows. And now they have a bet as to whether or not Rory will get back together with Dean. Mm-hmm. So I can't wait for that to <laughs> unveil itself. But back to Emily and Lorelai. I think Emily is kind of that like further representation of this life that Lorelai has fantasized about. And not in the sense that, like, she wants the money and the house and all of that, but just that her mother has it together. And Lorelai wants to show her mother and father that she can have it together, too. Mm -hmm. Even if it's not the same level of togetherness that Emily and Richard want her to have. I'm annoyed with Lorelai. Why? I just feel like I get annoyed that she is so sad about not getting Christopher at this moment. Yeah. And I'm like, but wait, what about all this stuff with Luke? Right. Why? She just dropped it all, you know, that and Mm -hmm. just I don't get that. I think it feels like very um, kind of like Suki's hyper focus thing. It's like Lorelai can only focus on one relationship at a time. And so she sees Luke at the diner and she's focused on that. And then her mother brings up Christopher so she can only focus on that. Mm-hmm. And it's like she's like this back and forth neurodivergent woman who just can't focus on one thing at a time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's hard when there's I know it's hard when there's history there, mm-hmm. too. And that's hard to let go of. Because now I'm sure she's like, I don't have Luke and I don't have Christopher and I don't have Max. And what do I have? And we see her like come to terms with that Mm -hmm. in this episode. So she's still trying to figure out what is next for her and why things are going so poorly and kind of a little bit of a wake up call for herself. Yeah. I think also sometimes her story just kind of is very relatable to a lot of people because it just shows sometimes like what we think we want usually doesn't happen, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's the things that we don't get and we're like, Oh, that sucks. It didn't happen, but it all works out for a reason. Yeah. Or the way it's all about the timing and everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't like to say like, Everything happens yeah. for a reason. I'm not one of those people, but I am a believer of time and yeah. fate. But yes, I mean, I, I don't like to be that way either, but I do think that as I've been old, I've gotten older and I look back at certain things and I'm like, oh, I'm so glad it didn't turn out that way. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, but at the time, that's what I really, really wanted and was like devastated it didn't turn out that way or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's just like moments like this where it's like, oh, okay. You know, mm-hmm. I think for Lorelai. Yeah. And I think and, too, yeah. like she's, she needs time to be on a path of rediscovery. Mm-hmm. She needs this time to start fresh and to start over. Yeah. 
like now you know with with Christopher it is over mm-hmm. because he is he has chosen to father this child and he doesn't you don't get to have that version of him so start over you don't get to have that version of him right correct and also he's just like it'll never be the same again him choosing to to go and do the right thing for Sherry like it is like we understand that there's a good thing that he's doing that he's gonna go you know show up for that child right mm-hmm. but he didn't choose it with you so you're always gonna be reminded of that mm-hmm. you know and yeah his situation was different at the time because he was so young too when it happened but still you're not she's never gonna be able to look at it the same. He's, she's never gonna look at Christopher the same so it's like you're almost mourning that dynamic like the potential of what it could have been right completely and it's just not charming anymore you're disenchanted yeah and I kind of wonder if that's mirroring Rory a little bit Mm -hmm. because she is you know do I say goodbye to what I have and what I know is safe and fine or do I take the risk take the jump and go into things with Jess and do I say goodbye to everything I know to try something new. Mm -hmm. And I mean, she is at the point where she gets to make that choice. Lorelai doesn't have a choice now. It's, I have to take the dive for something new because my like old reliable Christopher is not my old reliable anymore. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to see the girls kind of have this like weird, mirroring kind of thing going on. And I think that is really what sets the show apart from other shows, because we get to see this, this mimicking between them in like different stages of their lives. Mm -hmm. Like how can these two women go through such a similar experience at different ages, but come out with completely different results? You know, I think that is a really creative and clever way of telling this story. It really is. Yeah. And and also like the use of other women in this episode, too, like with Suki and Emily and like the different things that are going on in their lives. Yes. At different ages and different points. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Nope. I totally agree. I think it's so well done. Um, so. As we go on now with the rest of this episode, I really want to pay attention to the symbolism that we get for the rest of this episode because I think it just like keeps building and it makes me wonder like how much time did Amy spend writing this episode because I feel like there are so many little like Easter eggs or little nuggets of like symbolism and like the pink dress and like all of these little things are kind of like building up and adding up. Mm -hmm. And so I really want to hone in on that because this episode feels like a treasure trove of things. Mm -hmm. We are with Paris and Rory in their little hotel room or dorm room, whatever And Paris is spiraling as she is getting ready for her date with Jamie. Rory is on the phone with Dean. 
he's saying he's so excited to see her and all this. And as Paris begins to spiral, Rory's like, okay, I have to go. Like, I need to get off the phone with you. And Dean says, are you sure it's safe? And she's like, I gotta go. I do want to point out that he says, okay, bye. I love you. And Rory Uh says, gotta go and hangs up the phone. Yeah. And I'm wondering if that's just a one time coincidence that we're seeing this happen or Mm -hmm. if it's a this has happened every phone call kind of thing. Um, But it kind of sets up that she's not really sure what she's feeling anymore at this point. And I think that's all we need to know for right now. This kind of segues into Paris, you know, needing help getting ready for the date. Rory says she'll help her. They're getting things ready. And as Rory is doing her hair, she's saying you need to find someone who likes the same books and likes to trash the same movies and someone that's compatible, but not compatible because you don't want them. Yeah, because you don't want them to be boring. Mm -mm, And I think it's very interesting (laughs) that she uses that phrasing because as an audience member, we can see Dean has become boring yeah dean was always boring and <laughs> right she just got that's it. totally fair she just realized she it. woke up she basically just woke up from her dream uh-huh. like he is boring <laughs> dean you're so boring and you're poor so paris is just like she has so much good advice but really rory is giving herself advice here uh-huh. like take your own advice girlfriend um, and she almost catches herself too. Oh, like, completely. She does catch herself. Like, yes. Oh, I, I revealed too much. Yeah. Like Paris is not going to put that together. Oh my gosh. I, I feel like I, if I would have ever done this with like a certain friend, they would be like on me. They'd be like, what do you mean? Do you, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Me. I would have been like, what yeah. do you mean? You're talking about yourself. Who are you talking about? <laughs> I know you're not talking about your, uh, not about me. Yeah, (laughs) completely. Um, I think too, for Paris, I love seeing her talk about like all of the things that she deserves to have. Mm -hmm. I deserve someone who's going to pick a restaurant and I deserve someone that's going to like show up and take me out. And she does. She looks like a total dish right now. I know. I know. And, and she, I just love seeing this woman setting standards for what she deserves because we don't see that with Lorelai. We don't see that with Rory. And here's a woman who has never been out on a date before. (laughs) And she's like, this is what I deserve. I deserve to be picked up. I deserve to go on a date with someone who looks at the Zagat to pick a restaurant. And the first thing he says is, do you like Italian? Because I found a great Italian restaurant in the Zagat. And she's like. You're You're perfect. perfect. (laughs) You know, it's like, I love seeing this. Like what a positive, a positive example for young women to see. Because I feel like that's something a lot of people don't ever learn. (laughs) Yes. Um, But if they do, it takes you much later in life for me anyways. Mm -hmm. And I still have to set that boundary for myself. So it's great. Like you said, just, you know, to see this represented right and for it to kind of trick rory into saying that you know she knows what to expect from dean Mm -hmm. and that jess is unexpected 
and exciting. And like, she's starting to think like, okay, Paris thinks that this is what she deserves. What do I deserve? Yeah. Because then when Jamie does show up, Paris tells her to get into the closet and hide (laughs) because she's looking all cute and dateable and Paris doesn't want to have to compete with her. And Rory grabs her trapper keeper and so goes not into a the great closet. Representation of what to do, for right? But yes, <laughs> and Rory makes this side comment of, "Okay, when we get back home, you need a new therapist because this is not working yeah. out." <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, completely." But Rory goes into the closet with her trapper keeper. As <laughs> we are assuming to continue this letter to Jess. It's just like a flashlight and like. Were you prepared and it's like, to go in that? You only had to go in there for two seconds. I mean, <laughs> once left. Jamie left, you could <laughs> like come back out, which I'm like, what is the symbolism behind her hiding in, in the, the closet, closet yeah. to write this letter? And there's just a lot going on here. The fact that it's pretty obvious she still hasn't written anything down. She doesn't know what to say. She doesn't know how to phrase things. But I think she is starting to put together that she deserves more than Dean. She deserves more than Dean. And sometimes you don't have to feel guilty. You like who you like. It just comes down to chemistry. Yep. Completely. You know, I don't know. I think that she's realizing that it's not just about how someone looks on paper. Right. You know, it's just how it's a multitude of things mm-hmm. it you should click with them and have things that you guys have in common but it, it's more than that completely completely and she just can't control that no and i think that not everything's it, controllable <laughs> and i think that speaks volumes to relationships themselves yeah. like you can't control your interests or your charm or you know whatever this like compatibility that you have some with someone she didn't seek out Jess vindictively Mm -hmm. it just happened Happened. I mean like when Brent and I were living together I did not like seek him out to date him Mm -hmm. we just got to know each other and you can't help the the compatibility there and I think that that speaks to the authenticity of the show in the sense that Amy Sherman Palladino recognizes that if you have authentic relationships, people flock to that. Mm-hmm. Paris spiraling is authentic. Like I remember getting ready for my first date ever and how stressful and crazy you felt. And you tried on like 50 different outfits and nothing felt right. And You're like, well, if we do this, I should wear this. And if we do that, I should do that. And this is very real. It is very relatable. And it's charming because it is so authentic. Mm -hmm. Totally authentic. Lorelai and Suki are shopping at Kim's Antiques. Suki's still on her mission to make her home more manly. They come across a vintage shaving table. And it has the bowl. I think the bowl is like the water and then it has the mirror and whatever. And she's like, you can't get more manly than that. (laughs) It's like, oh, my God, I would love something like that. But clearly not in my apartment, but in a (laughs) home someday. Um, But it's twelve hundred dollars. And Miss Kim says, you know, it's it's vintage, all authentic. And I'll give you 10 percent off if you buy it right now. She's like, um, I think I'm going to look around. 
So she looks around and she finds a trout mounted on a plaque and says, you can't get more manly than a fish on a plaque. And Lorelai's like, I think we need to like think about this a little more <laughs> before we start going crazy and ends up offering Miss Kim $10 to not let Suki buy it. And Miss Kim says, I'll do it if you give me 20 And she does. And they are talking a little bit about Lorelai not confronting or not confessing to her parents that her and Christopher are not together anymore and that she'll need to make that that conversation happen today. And she's like, it just didn't come up and kind of like avoidant of it. Trapped in her own closet, if you will. <laughs> just kidding. That closet, <laughs> speaking of her closet, that outfit is like straight like t- she went into a mall. It was like 2005 and she went booked it to express and the buckle. Well, I mean, this was 2002. This is 2002. Yeah. But it is very buckle. Those jeans well, are guess super she buckle. Went in there 2002. Yeah. That yeah. top. Yeah. Which is also very lingerie looking. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> oh, I wanted to point out in the last scene. Did you notice that Paris also had the color pink yes. on for her date? The flower yeah, and the it was flowers. Like floral mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. So a little bit, I, that can't be an accident, I don't think. No. <laughs> but anyway, so Sugi is left now to her own devices. And um, I don't think that's a good idea. Because if Suki is anything like me, she'll just be like, okay, well, I guess I'm just on my own. This is like turning into the fiasco almost. Yes. Of when she was trying to figure out how to, what was going on with the review of her. Oh my gosh. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. She shows up at the poor guy's house. Yes. Yes. Yeah, totally. And I think for Lorelai, she's just like, okay, maybe this isn't a good thing. Maybe this shouldn't be happening. And she's starting to like recognize that something else might be going on. And what, what I don't have time to help her figure that out right this minute. So she's on her way to go pick up Rory from the airport. And then she said she will pick up Suki and Jackson and they'll all go to the festival together. So I know we just pointed out this took place in 2002. The historical inaccuracy of Lorelai picking up Rory from the gate at the airport is shocking <laughs> because after 9-11, that, was n- that is not a thing anymore. Mm. But maybe because she's a minor, she can. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So I just thought that was something to point out. But (laughs) they're at the airport. Lorelai showers Rory with gifts, all representing Hartford, Connecticut. And she's like, I'm the one that went away. She was like, I had time to kill. And there was a gift shop. So she just bought Rory a bunch of Hartford, Connecticut stuff, like even a baguette that says Hartford, Connecticut on it. (laughs) So, okay. She tells Rory that... She got her out of Friday night dinner so that her and Dean could have a little peaches and herb time. And Rory's like, oh, 
thanks. Like not <laughs> excited in the slightest. And Lorelai thinks that she's doing a really great thing and like pulling some strings for her. But clearly Rory is like, well, I think I'd rather go to grandma and grandpa's house. Um, which we all know why that is the case. They go back home, they come in, and when they get inside the door, Lorelai plays the answering machine and there's a message from Christopher and she erases it right away. And Rory says, yeah, he's been calling me and how long are you going to freeze him out for? And Lorelai says, I don't really know. I haven't figured that out yet. And they kind of have this back and forth of, you know, how long do we freeze him out? And Lorelai says, I don't want you to freeze him out because of me. And I I understand Rory freezing him out, though, mm-hmm. because he didn't just hurt Lorelai. He hurt her, too. Yeah. And I am not someone to talk to about having empathy for parents that make poor decisions because I have no empathy for parents like that. Mm-hmm. So I... I freeze out my own father and uh, I'm fine. I'm great. (laughs) Is that like not okay to say? No, it's awesome. Okay. It's like, (laughs) I'm good. So it's like, it's okay. If you make that decision, it's okay. You have to decide what's best for you. So I think in this scenario, the fact that they can both agree that this is what's best for them right now shows that they are setting a boundary mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they are not always good at setting boundaries. Well, you can see then they are, you can hear the frantic nature of Christopher's tone of voice. Oh, completely. He's spiraling, he, he's spiraling. Yep. Because and personally though, when people, I, if I no, that turns me, you, you would not get a call back from me. No, no, <clears throat> it's not happening. That's a no from me, dog. It's a big no. Listen, home skillet. Yeah. I just, I need, I just want them to like never answer the phone for him again. <laughs> just be done. Cut him loose. The end. So long. Farewell. And these poor girls are like, let's go to the festival. Let's have fun. And Rory's like, I'm going to change. And she pulls out this dress and, Lorelai is like, that's kind of fancy for the fall festival. And she's like, well, you know, I want to like look nice and make a good impression. And she's like, on who? And she's like, you know, all the people that have to look at me. And it's like, girl, we know <clears throat> what you're doing. J E S S S. Yeah. <laughs> Give them three S's. E X. Oh my sorry, God. Sorry, joking. Why? Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> but. That's exactly it. Like she wants to see Jess. Mm -hmm. And I think her whole thing is Dean doesn't get until later from what we understand. So she's like, there will be time at the festival without Dean. So if I can make myself look nice and available, Mm -hmm. perhaps something will happen with Jess. So there's a lot of like, mind preparation going on and this girl spiraling and we have never seen rory really truly care what she's wearing no and now she does because there's a part of her that needs to dress to impress Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so the girls are girling (laughs) 
You know? I know. They're like, these girls need to cool down. They need a cold shower. Somebody dump a bucket of cold water on them <laughs> and call it a day. Rory and Lorelai are on their way to Suki and Jackson's when they hear all of this yelling coming from their house. And Lorelai like props the door open a little bit. And we see that like it looks like a really manly man has thrown up all over their house. <laughs> There's like a bear statue and like a Native American statue and horse, not horseshoes, um, snowshoes on the wall and like all of this stuff. And Jackson is like, I want it back the way it was. And she's like, no, I want you to be happy. <laughs> He's like, I don't like this. Like, please change it. And so we're starting to see this like. Not everything is as perfect as it seems kind of thing. And you do. There are like weird give and take moments when you first get married or even just starting a relationship with someone, too, where you're trying to figure it out and put your feelers out there. And communication is a huge part of any relationship. So the fact that like she's trying to interpret things a different way shows that they are not communicating properly I in my eyes. I want you to know that I will never want that wagon wheel coffee table. When Harry met Sally. Sorry. Oh, okay. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> I get it. A callback joke. It's a Carrie Fisher quote. Very clever. Yes. So uh-huh. I know that Bryn and I have had similar arguments where I'm like, you're not happy with this. And he's like, I, I do not care. Like, it tastes fine or it looks fine. Or like, I hung up these pictures above our TV and I was like, do you hate it? And he was like, why would I hate it? What about what I look like right now is telling you that I don't like this. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. You're just not saying anything. He's like, that doesn't mean that I don't like it. It just means I have no feelings about it. <laughs> but I'm somebody who has feelings about everything. So yeah, it's like you want a big reaction. You need to have feelings. Yeah. Yes. So I get it. I get it. Um, so they decide to leave Suki and Jackson to figure that out. And they go to the festival super cute barbershop quartet singing the lazy, hazy, crazy days of summer over and over and over and over again to the point where you're like, Oh my God, this would make me go insane. Mm-hmm. I would not be able to function. So, well, I'd like it too. Cause like it, it just keeps on playing. And even Laura lies like, God, can they play it? Can they learn another song? Yeah, I wish they could sing anything else. And yeah. there's like a girl tap dancing behind them. Yeah, and the too. little kids are tap dancing. Yeah, and so just like kind there's of. There's like a lot going on. Yes. And as they approach Taylor Dozy, Lorelai is like, oh, yeah, this is nice. And he's like, you're so critical. I know you don't like something. And I just can't stand listening to you criticize everything that we do and whatever. And as she's arguing with Taylor, Rory finds Jess and Jess is under a tree making out with this blonde girl who later we find out is named Shane. (laughs) Shane was so me in 2005. Oh my God. Shane is blonde hair. Crazy. I mean, not crazy, but just like she is out of control. Yeah. It's (laughs) wild. Like I can't wait till she gets dialogue because you're just like, wow. (laughs) Um, but they're just like going to town 
And Lorelai's like, oh, that's interesting. Kind of glad you gave that up, huh? And she's like, they kind of have this argument. And Rory, like, instantly gets upset because as he is making out with this girl, he slides his hands into her back pockets. And I'm sorry, that is illegal. It's like, I am... That is, like, full-blown, like makeout session if i saw that and i was rory i would look at what i was wearing and if they were not pants without pockets something would be has to change yeah and it'd be me and it'd be in pants with pockets yeah completely or i would like go up and like rip the pockets off of shane's pants (laughs) jesus i think that that would be great and just be like, you know what? You don't deserve these pockets and just like rip them off and run away. <laughs> I think that's what I would yeah. do. Not really, but, but yeah. that's what I would dream I would do. Mm-hmm. So this starts now this whole argument because Lorelai is now realizing that Rory is not over Jess. And she's like, I spent all summer being like, she's with Dean. She's happy with Dean. And she's like, I am with Dean. And Lorelai says, yeah, but you're hung up on Jess and you're treating Dean like dirt now. And she's like, you haven't even talked to Jess since. And Rory cuts her off and says Suki's wedding and explains what happens. And when Lorelai finds out that they kissed, she is pissed. Mm -hmm. She is like, why are you doing this? What are you doing this for? Like, if that's what you want, go get it. Because he'll be on to another girl in an hour. But Dean has been patient and nice and kind and sweet to you. And here you are pining after somebody who has got his hands in a girl's pockets making out with her in public. Yeah, and Lorelai doesn't get it because she even says, like, if you think he's the great love of your life. And she's saying it condescendingly. Oh, completely. And, like, she's just basically saying, you just, like, think he's hot. This is all sexual for you. That's what I think Laura, And I think that's Lorelai uncomfortable feels. for Lorelai. Because I think she always thought Rory was just too, like, innocent and naive to be thinking about those things. Yeah. But. And she'll always make the right choice. Yes. The honorable choice. Right. She's not me. That's what she always says. She's not me. She mm-hmm. makes the right choice. But guess what? Sometimes you're confronted with attractive men and it's hard to make the right choice. Um, Like we need to see her be an authentic teenager. And like, it's just Lorelai, you don't want to be like your mother. But when you do this, yes, you are literally being your mother. It's just a different. It's like Carrie Bradshaw. Bradshaw says about squirrels in Sex in the City. That is just a rat in a cuter outfit. <laughs> oh, completely. You know? Completely. Yes. But it's like even she did this earlier, too, when she was like, oh, don't worry. I got you out of Friday night dinner. She mm-hmm. took that upon herself without asking Rory. Right. Rory's an older now. Like, I do that with my niece and she's like 13. I ask her, is this what you want to do? Like, I ask her. Because it's it's all about the established boundaries. 
Rory and Lorelai does not have established boundaries with Rory yet. So it's like she's just going to do stuff because she thinks it makes things easier for Rory. But really, it's like Rory has her own life. You need to be asking Rory how she feels about doing this or that or Mm -hmm. whatever. And she doesn't do it. No. And like she doesn't even let her feel attracted, want her to feel attracted to who she wants to be attracted to. Right. Instead, she's going to guilt her into staying with the same old, same old. Just because they're a good person. Yep. And because it's easier. It's just nice. Yeah. And it's like, if you want Dean, date him. Because I don't want to. Yeah. Like, that's where I would get. (laughs) Date a mom. Yeah. It's just kind of like also not like it shouldn't be about like even, well, you should like this other guy if you're more attracted to him I'd be like you know maybe you just maybe you don't I don't know I'm not you Rory right I'd be like Mm -hmm. that's what I would say to her maybe you are just like I don't know what you feel maybe you are just attracted to him but all of this would just tell me you're not really into Dean and you probably should let the poor the poor kid go not Mm -hmm. be like hey just convince yourself you're not and stay with him <clears throat> that but her advice is just to like hey ignore it and stay with him because he's nice right it's kind of terrible advice <clears throat> right and super... because it's like you didn't stay with christopher yeah you could have gotten married back when you were 16 you didn't stay with max he was the he was fine he was nice he's your dean yeah so it's yeah it is very interesting but lorelei also is the type that's like i lived it So let me just tell you how it ends so you don't have to waste your time Mm -hmm. instead of letting Rory like experience and figure things out for herself. Yeah. And I think she thinks she's helping Rory by doing that. But really, you're hurting your relationship with your own daughter because of that. Mm -hmm. So I especially because she's opened up to her and told her what happened. Right. And like finally, because like Rory usually holds back. Yep. And we can see why. (laughs) Right. And it's like, okay, so your daughter just opened up and told you something personal that happened to her and you rip her head off. You think she's going to want to talk to you again about stuff? Yeah. No. Like, I wouldn't. I'd be like, okay, I guess this isn't a safe space like my mom says. We're not friends. We're mother and daughter. Yeah. Because clearly if I have something going on, she's just going to like reprimand me for Mm -hmm. my feelings and my thoughts. So. I'm just going to keep him to myself. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's like, that's what you're setting up here. I mean, easily Lorelai could have probably have like 30 stories of like how she could relate to this mm-hmm. with different guys that she's liked. Yeah. With different guys in the last two seasons. Yeah. Like alone. So girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as they're, yeah. they're kind of finishing up their argument, Dean comes and she's like, oh, I thought you weren't getting in till six. And he says, oh, I got a, I got an earlier flight. And Lorelai says, all right, well, I'm going to go to family dinner. You guys get the night to yourselves. Have a great time. And Rory, like, gives him a hug and a kiss. But when she goes to hug him, she is watching Jess. Mm-hmm. She is not paying any attention to Dean. So now she has <laughs> started using Dean as her. Mm-hmm. Not bait. No, but the jealousy. She's using him as a prop. Yes. Yes, exactly. Dean has now become a prop. 
like Shane has become Jeff. Mm-hmm. It's like we're going to out relationship one another yeah. because we can't have each other. And we can see and we can talk about, too. We can't just ignore why Jess is doing this. Right. I mean, this is all he's not into Shane. Right. This is he's pissed. It's a flavor of the week. He's mad. He's yeah, at Rory. Like, so he knows that this will get to her. Mm-hmm. He's like, and you, you kiss me. You just left and you stayed with your boyfriend. Yep. So that's that. He's like, so I'm going to get Shane. She's going to have bleach blonde hair and some kitten heels. The heels. <laughs> Elise. I, I so forgot stupid. about them already. Those heels are ridiculous. <laughs> I don't even think you can call those kitten heels because they're like little nubs. They look so gross. It's like she's standing on chicken nuggets. <laughs> like Just making what? out with them. So weird. Oh. And let's talk really quick about this woman in the background. They have these, like, the face and hole things. This woman is, like, two feet, not even, away from this man's face. I would say a foot away from this man's face taking a picture. And it's like, okay, the whole point of those, like, face and hole things is you put your face into a funny picture and you stand back and get the whole thing. And this woman <laughs> is, like, only getting the face and not, I'm like... I'm pretty sure that she's only getting this guy's eyes. It has to be. So I'm like... <laughs> is this like a joke on purpose or are we just like missing this or what's happening? But yeah, so it was kind of funny to catch that in the background. Um, but I do think it's great that they have a festival in the season premiere because that is stars hollow charm at mm-hmm. its best is celebrating something. And it pulls us in as viewers too, because we know something happens at every festival Mm -hmm. so what's it gonna be this time and i love it yeah and it's like the end of summer and i feel like that's always kind of a weird time too Mm -hmm. it's a very like transformative time yeah because there's always that um cliche that like when the school year starts you're like reinventing yourself like what version of me am i gonna be this year when Mm -hmm. i'm in 11th grade or rory's going into her senior year how is she going to reinvent herself mm-hmm. this time? So it's, it's always like bittersweet to let summer go too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So I think this has been like a well formulated premiere so far, it's but excellent. it's not over yet. It's excellent. <clears throat> We are with Lorelai at her parents' house, arriving for Friday night dinner. As she comes in the door, she tells Emily that she has something she wants to tell her right away. Emily kind of forces her to come outside because Richard is outside. And that's when Lorelai drops the bomb that her and Christopher are no longer together. And Emily and Richard kind of have this like back and forth then. And Richard is just like going ham on Lorelai's like feelings her character everything and saying like oh there's no reason we'll never know the reason there never is a reason blah 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 and finally Lorelai caves and says his girlfriend is pregnant Sherry is pregnant and he has decided to stay with her instead and that sets Emily off because she's like he already has a kid with you though Like, he doesn't have to care about this kid. And it's like, 
don't you, uh, in like the grand scheme of life, don't you just want people to be happy? Like if that's what he feels like he needs to do or that he's entitled to do, let him do it. Mm -hmm. And Richard's like, I understand what he's doing. He's making the wise choice. He would have married Lorelai when she was 16 years ago. And he always makes the right choice. Okay. But I get this. And I think this is why people always like justify Christopher is that he was going to marry Lorelai, right? When they were young. Mm -hmm. But she didn't want it. She's the one that said no. Right? Right. So it's all her fault. Yes. It is always Lorelai's fault. But that doesn't mean just because he didn't want to marry her, he shouldn't have stuck around and helped. Right. So he isn't always making the right decision. Yeah, it's like we're kind of glossing over the fact that he was non-existent in Rory's life for like 16 years. Yeah. It's like, yeah, he he wanted to get married, but then when that didn't happen, he ran away. Mm -hmm. So he's not really any better than anybody else in this freaking situation. If anything, it's weird that he only really wants to be a part of their lives is... Unless he is romantically connected with Lorelai. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with Rory. Ever. And, and I know we keep on saying that. We keep harping on it, but it's like, there are people out there that like Christopher. And like, I really just need to know why. And I also need to know what kind of buried trauma you might have. <laughs> because you should never be okay with being treated that way. Yeah. Ever. It's not acceptable. It's wrong, and it's wrong of Richard to act like this, too. Like, that's the guy that got your preg- your daughter pregnant and then thought, okay, well, I guess the only thing that will fix this is if we get married and be unhappy together forever. Mm-hmm. No. Look at how hard your daughter is working to find her own happiness. And that, yeah. Look at how hard she has worked to raise her daughter on her own. When are you going to give Lorelai props for what she has done. I don't know what he never does. And like, even by saying things like, oh, Christopher's going to do the right thing by showing up for, he was going to show up for Lorelai and show up for his family. He's going to do the right thing and show up for his family with Sherry. Mm-hmm. Implying that like Lorelai isn't showing up for her family. Yeah. I don't know. I think Richard, oh, he pissed me off. Oh, he's back in the doghouse. Yeah. I don't I think do- he ever got out with me since last season. No, probably not. And I, uh, and Emily wants to continue this conversation by saying, you know, he, you, we cannot accept this. You cannot accept that he's in the right or that he is a good person or that I'm the one that has this Norman Rockwell situation or idea of what their lives would be like when. Richard deep down knows that he is guilty of the same exact thing. Mm -hmm. He just thinks it's easier to call out Emily for it because then he doesn't have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And it's really frustrating. And for Richard to like come after Lorelai and say, you know, she can just walk away and look at what she does. She walks away and they don't even notice. Mm -hmm. They don't even notice that she's walking away. Very similar to how they don't even notice that she's gone into labor. Mm -hmm. 
or that they don't even notice that she's pregnant to begin with. Like, these are all <laughs> things that, like... So goddamn true. Are, are, like, this is a forever thing. Because it doesn't look the way they want to, they look the other way. And they look the other way so often, it blows my mind. Mm-hmm. And we see it a lot in season three. That's where we see the most of it, I think, truly. Mm-hmm. It's wild to me. And Emily needs to let the fuck go of Christopher and Lorelai being together. She needs to let it go. It's not happening. It's just like setting... It's setting your daughter further back. It's it's in holding her back from her future mm-hmm. by continuing this let's live in the past let's keep let's get the past back Mm -hmm. and in my experience I've dealt with some of that in my personal life with Mm -hmm. my own mother Mm -hmm. but not that I'm ratting her I love her to death but I don't know if it is like this older generation of like I don't know I know where it's like this holding on to the roots of what it was almost Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's holding on to like the made-up milestones of life like this is how you're supposed to do things and if you don't do it that way you're the black sheep and you always will be Mm -hmm. and there is no redeeming yourself even if you find a way to be happy different from everyone else Mm -hmm. you are still the black sheep you will never come back from that this is how it has to be now Mm mm-hmm and Emily and Richard are that way. They cannot accept that their daughter found happiness in other things in her life and that she, she didn't get fit married. that mold. No. The and traditional she mold. She is not and they want her to be a part of that world. She how like how hard is it for you to be able to tell that your daughter wants nothing to do with the world that you live in? Mhm. The fact that she comes over on Friday nights is for her daughter. It is not for you. Yeah. And that's the other thing, too. It's just, it's like boundary issue after boundary yeah, issue. Yeah, it's boundary issue, and it's like, it also can kind of be almost like a symbolically deep fight going on, too. Because it's like you have Richard, who's like the patriarch, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like he's kind of coming at Lorelai making these mistakes because she's a woman, right? And Christopher's mm-hmm. a guy, he's doing it right and da 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 da. And then you have Emily backing up Lorelai in a sense. Mm-hmm. So you have Jeff, 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 like get the matriarch right there. And right. I don't know, it's just kind of interesting. Yeah, it's just like, I'm really tired of them just like not being proud of her ever. Like, they were proud of her at graduation, but then it was like, it's graduation from business school. Like, this should have been a four-year college. Like, you can just tell it has, like, that air to it. Mm -hmm. Where, like, they'll tell their friends that she graduated from college, but then they won't because their friends would be like, oh, what college? And then when they say, like, it's a business school, like a night school, they're going to be like, oh, that's lovely. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just, it never meets their standard. Yeah. And that, going totally off of that, that is setting 
an unrealistic precedent for Rory Mm -hmm. going forward because they can't accept it. And so they put that pressure on her instead. So a lot, a Mm -hmm. lot to unpack in that tiny, tiny scene. Totally. But it sets up, you know, there's going to be tension all over the place now because now there's just, there's so much happening. So we've got to build this like tension to keep the audience pulled in and to help them understand what is going on. Mm-hmm. So that's that, my friends. That's that. She did it, ladies and gentlemen. She went into Luke's diner and she tried to apologize. Luke wasn't having it. So she said, maybe we need to start over. And she introduces herself as Mimi and says she's just, you know, she was walking by and thought this looked like a nice diner and grabs a pot of coffee and pours herself a cup. And then she spirals (laughs) into this long monologue about how she always wanted the full picture and... Christopher is the full picture, but now he's with Sherry. Sherry is going to get a Christopher that Lorelai never got to have and that she's afraid that she'll never get it and that she'll be alone. And Luke tells her that she'll get it. But when she tells Luke that he's having a baby with Sherry, Luke's body language is like, oh, you got to be fucking kidding me. Mm-hmm. Like, this is ridiculous. First of all, why are you so hung up on this dude? Second of all, let's move on, shall we? Mm-hmm. And he... And it's like, you know I like you. Right. How yeah. can you not know? Right. How? Yeah. And, so, I, and I have to sit here and listen to you. I like love Pine you. after other men. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I have to, like, give you coffee and donuts. Yeah. That's all I am mm-hmm. to you is coffee and donuts. It's like, look who you're telling this to. Yeah, you look probably, who you're confiding in. Like, he's, like, an excellent guy, and you've you pretty much like a lot of people. Right. But you just haven't gone for him. Right. So he must not be good enough for you. That's how he's taking it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're too good for me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so she's crying and he decides to extend an olive branch by giving her a donut and he slides it down the table. And I really love the donut being the olive branch because there is symbolism behind a donut. And I am probably overanalyzing this, but I thought it was fun anyway. A donut is round with no beginning or end and it forms, it resonates with the idea of infinity and a continuous cycle of life and death and it represents the self and our journey toward wholeness. Mm. So him like extending that olive branch as a donut is saying like, I'm on this journey with you to help you get what you need, but what you need is me. And when you might not want to eat it right now. You'll be hungry later. You're going to be fucking famished later, <laughs> girl. Poor, 
poor Scott Patterson. I'm so glad he is not here when we watch these because he was like, oh, Mimi, was it? Come again. And I was like, again and again and again. (laughs) Multiple times. Yes. Lorelai goes home. Rory's there. They kind of make up and and Lorelai says, you know, if this is something you want, I want you to do it. But Rory says, no, you're right. I weighed all of my options. I had a pros and cons list and I don't know what I was thinking. Like Dean is so sweet and perfect for me. And she's like, maybe it's because I haven't been in in many relationships. And it's like, girl, you've been in one relationship (laughs) twice because you broke up and now you're back together. But she's like, I don't know what I was thinking. And Lorelai says to her, like, please don't be with Dean because it's something like I said you should want. Mm-hmm. Like, be with Dean because you want to be with Dean. So she had to go through the fight with her family again to realize, mm-hmm. you know. Yep, exactly. Exactly. So she says, you know, Lorelai asks Rory, well, are things okay? And she's like, yeah, I'm good. Things are okay. And then Rory says, are things okay with you? And she's like, I will be okay. I will be good. And Rory says, can I help you with anything? Like, so you can feel better. She goes, yeah, could you hand me my purse? I'm, I'm starving or I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. And she takes out the donut. Um, and there's this beautiful shot. My favorite directing moment of the episode where it slowly pulls away from the living room window and they're sharing the donut and it ends with like faint laughter as they're each taking a bite out of this donut. And I was like, this is magical. Uh This is a beautiful moment that sums up like, yes, a lot of things are going to be happening, but at the end of the day, they have each other Uh and it's beautiful. Yeah. I liked to, in that conversation between um, Lori, Rory and Lori, Rory and Lorelai, and they both are discussing their day, you know, so Rory is like, you know, mm-hmm. how was dinner? And then Lorelai's like, how was Dean? Right. How was dinner? Neither of them want to like talk about, the, you know, the day, but then right. the icebreaker was Luke saying mm-hmm. oh I made up with Luke and like immediately they, the the mood lifted they're both happy like Rory was like oh really you know so I love that Luke something that represents the future yes you know the, love you know, that mm-hmm. and Jess too you know that it's like he's very connected to Jess so the things of their past Dean and Christopher is like they're bringing them down. They don't want to talk about it. Yeah. But what makes them happy is talking about Luke and, you know, yeah, the symbology of the future of that. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I didn't even piece that together. That was cute. Nope. I think that's really sweet. I think this kind of sets us up for season three, telling us that these girls are going to be on a big journey this season mm-hmm. of really like evaluating what is important to them. What do they want mm-hmm. going forward? What choices do we want to make? Right. And yeah, because this is a heavy episode for Lorelai mm-hmm. of like living in the past. And she just has to learn that you're not your past. Mm hmm. 
your past is just your prologue. Right. I learned that from a gas station commercial. Commercial. Your past is just your prologue. I love that. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's really gas. inspiring. Oddly <laughs> enough, for a gas station, I, I love know. it. I think that's well. great. Okay, well, friends, uh, let's get into our town meeting. town meeting. We call this town meeting to order. Okay, our first town meeting. We're here. We're here from season three. Um, Elise has shared that she has a correction she needs to make from season two. Yes, um, it is funny. It was from Lorelai's graduation day. Okay. That episode. Okay. We were, you and I were total dumbasses and we're like talking about how Rory had her backpack and then didn't have her backpack and we didn't understand why. Yeah. Right. So I'm sitting there minding my own business, making a TikTok video and I'm using some of the footage of Rory and Jess walking down the streets of New York. Yeah. And Rory literally is talking like really fast, obviously. And she explains that she got a locker and put her oh backpack God. in it. So we must have been like talking about the backpack over her <laughs> explaining the backpack. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. I was like, great. I so, love it. Yeah. No, that's fine. And, and, you know, I just needed a quick, you know, I really, all I needed is a quick shot of Rory and Jess walking down the streets of New York. And I just happened to record and look at that, all that part. you uncovered. Yes, so I that's my that. pressing issue of, of this for this week that I have. Do you have any? I don't. I um, The only pressing issue I have is that I am excited for season three. Yeah. And I've said that like 15 <laughs> times this episode. Me too. And um, I am like thrilled for you guys to interact with us more this season. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be really fun and we would, we really want to hear from you. Yeah. And then so. we're at like a new structure to even our town hall meeting. Here. Yeah. So, yeah. So, all right. So, Let's so, so, so yeah. Minnesota. Um, Elise, yes. you have decided now on each episode to ask trivia questions mm -hmm. of me. And I'm really scared because I am not a trivia girl. Yeah. Like, I just don't do well with trivia. So I'm so curious what your <laughs> questions are. I'm, you know, I didn't get a chance to pick out some really good ones. So I'm, I'm going to pick out a few. Okay. I'm thinking in the future, I would like the audience to email us. Totally. Because our fans probably know better trivia than I even would because I didn't see the show as much as y'all. True. So I'll put our email in the description Yeah. if they want to email it to us. And then I'll also put it as a Q&A mm -hmm. on Spotify. Um, so if you have any suggestions, please, please, please send them in. Don't put the answer because I'm the one that like navigates like yeah. all of the behind the scenes stuff. As far as like Spotify goes. So just put the question in the email, in the email. And then just like maybe the subject just be like trivia question. Yeah. Yeah. And 
put your name if you want us to say your name out loud. If you yeah. don't, you can't. You know, yeah, that's whatever. totally fine. If you just fine. want to put your state to yeah, whatever. Yeah, totally. totally. Or wherever you're from. Okay, let's hear it. Okay. I'm scared. Okay. I'm really scared. I don't uh, want to make myself look like an ass. All right. For the first question, we'll start off easy. I'm scared. What is the name of the inn that Lorelai and Suki start together? The Dragonfly. Okay, cool. <laughs> you win. An espresso bean. I didn't realize these were going to be like easy. No, I started off with an easy one just to oh, just to, to, to falsely build my confidence. Yeah. Just okay. To, you know. Okay. 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 And then you can cut out the pauses, right? Yep. What is the name of the episode where Lorelai and Luke have their first official date? What is the name of the episode? I just watched this one. How dare you? I uh, I don't know. I want to say it's like a song title. But I... Can you give me a hint? Mm, it kind of... It kind of is a song title. It it has the town's name kind of in it. <laughs> oh my god! Kind of. I don't know. Written in the stars. Written in the stars. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And who was the actress that portrayed the role of Gypsy? I have no idea. I don't know her name. Rose Abdu. Abdo. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I just said, I remember because I was rewatching 13 Reasons Why, and Uh she's like the teacher in that. And I sent you a picture, and I was like, look, it's Gypsy. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm horrible with actors' names. Like, Elise will be talking to me about this actor and I'll be like yeah while I'm like googling it because I'm like who is she talking about I have no idea I'm not as good with like the new people the new actors but yeah yeah. that's a trivia so people please send some yeah I mean it's pretty easy to stump me truly like I would say I will never know the title of one of them I mean the ones that we've already talked about Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm good with those yeah but like upcoming ones, not a clue. Yeah. But these like, are like okay questions. I'll come up with better ones. No, I think you're like setting a good bar. You're setting a good bar for us to like measure up to. Mm-hmm. So and like send some more people. Yeah, please do. Please do. Um, I think that will be really fun. I think every time I'm going, so you got one. I got one. You got one right. So Yikes. I will. Every time you get a question right, I will give you an espresso bean. Okay. Okay. So Sounds I good. owe you an espresso bean. All right. <laughs> I love it. I'm in debt. Okay. So before we move on to the pop culture portion, I do want to go back to the writing and mm-hmm. the directing of this episode. Um, so Amy Sherman Palladino did both the writing and the directing. And I'm curious if there were any moments that really stuck out to you in this episode as far as the writing and directing goes. Yes. I that scene at the at the end with Luke and Lorelai is straight out of theater. Yeah. It's like a my favorite kind of plays, like straight plays where it's just 
you got two good actors and a very simple scene. Mm-hmm. The lighting, mm-hmm. even the cafe looks different. Yeah. It looks like there's more space behind the counter. There's more space between the two of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shot wise, it's just really nice to see the the diner from that angle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always feel like that space between behind Luke is so small, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in this visually, it looked bigger. It it's looked like, miles away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they must have like did that on purpose. Oh, they, absolutely. They moved that counter yeah. further out. Yeah, or it's just the angle and that it's, it's shot at. But yeah. it's it's beautiful. It's like the lighting, too, because he's closed. You know? Right. Yeah. His business is closed, but the door is open. It's so the symbol- symbolic. Yeah. I mean, she really, <laughs> she really stepped up the symbolism in this episode. And, I mean, half of it could just be in our own minds. But I think there's something really beautiful about subtle symbolism. Mm -hmm. It's like, and this show is so charming because of that subtlety that it has. And, like, just even the lighting in there, too. mm -hmm. Half on, half off. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just very rich. Yes. I love the last scene. I know I said that already. The, like, panning away from the window. We're getting to see, like, them inside of their world. Um, It's like, you know, you're looking from the outside at what's happening on the inside. And I think I can tell that she is getting more comfortable with these characters and with the stories and what's going to be happening. And there's just a lot that she has introduced us to in this episode. And I feel like she maybe would not have gone as in depth on the first episode of the season in the past. Mm -hmm. It's like, all right, you guys know what you're in for, like buckle up because I'm delivering it to you like hot, fresh and ready Mm -hmm. now. So it's, it's fun to watch a premiere of something that has that same vibe to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like got the good drama. It's got a lot of humor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's awesome. So perfect writing and directing. I loved it. And I you had loved your, it. and the scene at the end of them sharing the donut and mm-hmm. the pan out through the window. Beautiful. Absolutely lovely. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was like a little neat bow mm-hmm. on the end of the episode. Visually speaking, the festival. Yeah. That was so much fun to look and so bright and colorful Mm -hmm. and like props to these extra actors that are in the background of this show, because I would never know those people are acting Mm -hmm. like I truly believe that there is this town (laughs) and they are just living in it. And we're just like recording around these people living Mm -hmm. their lives like it's so great and it feels so charming and authentic because of that. So they the behind the the added extras really are crucial to those moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good job. I know. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. Pop culture for pop culture. This episode had 36 references and um, we each decided now for each episode, we're going to pick one reference that is our favorite and give you a little background knowledge on that reference. So, Elise, do you want to go first? 
no, I'd like you to go first. Okay. God damn it. <laughs> so <laughs> my favorite pop culture reference was Norman Rockwell. Oh, okay. Um, I thought it was going to be Oscar Wilde. Oh, really? Yes. No, I'm, I love Norman Rockwell. So a uh, little background. My last relationship was with an artist. He, oh, I shouldn't even say an artist. Uh, he appreciated art. And so I got that from him. I love going to art museums. I'm a little bit of an art nerd. And so Norman Rockwell was born in New York City, 1894, died in 1978. Uh, he produced more than 4,000 original works in his lifetime, which is a massive catalog. Um, he illustrated more than 40 books like Tom Sawyer, Huckleberry Finn. He painted portraits of Judy Garland, Eisenhower, Kennedy, Johnson, and Nixon. Um, he is most famous for his cover illustrations of the Saturday Evening Post magazine. So he did um, like commentary covers for them. And more notably, like his famous one is Rosie the Riveter. Um, I believe that Richard is referencing the freedom from want um, picture that Norman Rock Norman Rockwell did where it depicts like a, a perfect family sitting down for Thanksgiving dinner. Mm -hmm. And so he's asking Emily, like, did you picture this Norman Rockwell picture in your mind? Like, that's not what this is going to be. So I'm assuming that's the picture that he's referencing. Um, but my personal favorite of Norman Rockwell is the Nighthawk. Um, and you can see that at the Art Institute of Chicago. Um, I love that painting. I have it hanging in my kitchen, except it's um, Bob's Burgers um, instead of the yeah. characters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Norman, Ro I'm a big fan of Norman Rockwell um, and art in general, but it's just fun. Like when we get to the um, the living art episode, I die. That is like my two worlds combining so cool. into one and it's really fun. Mm -hmm. So that was my reference. And I was worried that you had the same one no. because you shared a picture of Norman Rockwell on your stories of, of the Nighthawk. And I mm -hmm. was like, Oh no, she picked the <laughs> same one. I'm screwed. Oh girl. No. Okay. Let's hear it. Okay. So my favorite reference is when Paris is ranting to Rory and getting ready for her date. And she whips out that she is talking about how men will just like sidetrack you from your goals and you'll just end up basically one turn away from like having Glenn Close play you in a movie, which is a reference to Fatal Attraction. Okay. Okay. And I am so excited to put this in the pop culture video because Glenn Close's performance in Fatal Attraction is unhinged <laughs> and unmatched. Okay. And Fatal Attraction, for anybody who doesn't know what that movie is. Like me. Yeah. You do not know? No. Do you don't know the rabbit reference? No. Okay, so Fatal Attraction came out in 1987. It's a thriller drama. Drama. Okay. And it's starring Glenn Close and Michael Douglas. Okay. You know, Michael I know who Douglas. Michael Douglas is. I'll just read you the little synopsis. Okay, please. For Dan Gallagher, life is good. He is on the rise at his New New York law firm. He is happily married to his wife Beth, and has a loving daughter. 
but after a casual fling with a sultry book editor named Alex, Glenn Close, everything changes. Jilted by Dan, Alex becomes unstable. Her behavior is escalating from aggressive pursuit to obsessive stalking. Dan realizes that his main problem is not hiding his affair, but rather saving himself and his family. So, okay. if anybody knows with m- m- this movie, Glenn Close goes crazy and kills their family rabbit, and he comes home and finds it cooking on the stove. So oh that's why God. people always make the reference. And like I know that they made the rabbit reference in here, I think, too. Yeah, they did, and I had no idea that was a reference. So really, there's like another reference <laughs> that we didn't have before. So, so okay. yeah. It is cheesy. It's very 80s. I think for performance-wise, it's awesome. I love and that. I love that Paris is the one that <laughs> quoted it. Or like, I'm surprised that she would quote a movie. She quoted a lot of things in that. Well, yeah, she did. But I'm just surprised that, <laughs> that was just one of her, her references. Was that. a movie because yeah. I feel like she's not a character that references like entertainment stuff not as much often yeah Yeah, but she's a clever girl so that was my favorite pop culture this week i love that i can't wait to put it in the video that'll be really fun i'm so excited for that just like everything else i think i've said i'm excited like 500 (laughs) times all right that brings us to the end of the episode that's we did it the season premiere of season three yay so next week We will have season three, episode two, Haunted Leg, and more trivia questions. Which also is like a nice title for the season. Haunted Leg. Yeah. So that's it for season three. We did it. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, life's short. Talk fast. Bye. Bye. Where we lead, you can follow us at underscore growing up Gilmore underscore on all major social media platforms linked in the description below. One, two, three. Where the la la's. Just kidding.